0: Well, I think we've decanted
1: for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Giel.
2: Yes, thank you very much, Eddie. It is that time of the week where myself, Ollie Giel, and Mark Schwarzer sit down with a bottle of reds, and we like to compare that red at the end of the episode to a player, past or present. And along the way, we'll talk about all things in the world of football. Speaking of Eddie, the guy who does the uh, voiceover at the start there, Mark, would you have to agree that that's the best part of the episode? When you hear oh, yeah, any, st- any dulcet to tones. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If oh, reason
1: I listen to the episode, I listen to the intro and then turn off. I was
2: thinking maybe we should create it as an outro so then people at least stay to the end.
1: Or oh, would they just go forward to the end and well, listen they could, to that?
2: But then statistically or, or the analytics will at least come up that it's gone to the end of the episode.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, so good then it thinking. Doesn't really matter. Sometimes, you know what? Sometimes you actually come up with some interesting and, and, and probably um, clever ideas, but it doesn't happen very often.
2: No, it doesn't. But when it does, I think it's certainly something to look into. Let's move on to the wine. I've gone for a Chilean Reserva Merlot, really great noble Merlot grapes, which thrive in the climate and the soils of Chile's Central Valley region. Beautiful. Aged in oak barrels, this Merlot is deep purple in color with lush aromas and plums and black currants and subtle coffee bean notes, Mark.
1: Very nice, Chilean wine, Chilean wine, whatever you wanna say, very nice. Yeah, which which I one do... are you
2: supposed to say? You, you're a cost. Uh, I, I
1: say Chilean, uh, I mean, not that that's correct, I just say Chilean.
2: Chilean, yeah, okay. Chilean. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, I just okay. say that,
1: I don't know if that's correct or not, but I like that more than Chilean. Fair bump, play on. You... So I've gone, I've gone back to Portugal, Liz Boa, in fact, I had such a good time in the summer, Champions League, playoff series, what do you want to call it? One offs, you know, that little mini tournament. Cheating um, on me. Really, yeah. Yeah. Really good fun it was. Um, fantastic food and wine. So I've gone back and I'm going for, wait for it, LB7 Liz Boa Red 2018. It's, um, it's all right. It's big, it's bold, it's unashamedly drinkable. That's what they say. Um, all full of fruit and a kick of spice. So apparently it'll enhance any richly flavoured food you throw at it. Whether it's a barbecue or a warm casserole, you'll love it.
2: Okay, let's uh, move off the wine and go uh, get stuck into the football and at halftime drinks we'll, of course, come back to the wine before we compare that, player, that uh, wine to a player past or present. Mark, there's so much to cover off uh, this week and there'll be a little bit of... Premier League, of course, you know that's that's the league we like to focus on. But there's actually been a lot going on uh, across the continent, and we've got to start slightly north of England in Scotland. Okay. Why would that be, do you think, if you had to take a wild step in the dark? Why are we starting in Scotland? Arena,
1: I can't, I can't think of any reason why we'd want to talk about Scottish football. Let's be honest. I mean, other than obviously the Aussies that are playing there.
2: Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, you know, normally it would be you know your Irvines of the world, but it's the fact that Rangers have won.
1: Oh yes, they did. Yeah. they, they yeah. did. Yeah, their 55th league title. Doesn't uh, ending- it sound better? Doesn't it? Isn't it amazing that how they've gone back to it's our 55th <laughs> league title, the most of anyone else in the world, which is which is obviously impressive, right? But it's the first one in ten years. That's more importantly, I think. Um, in a lot of yeah. ways, they've they've broken that that stranglehold from Celtic. Celtic going for the tenth in a row. Um, I think that's even arguably more impressive from the fact that where they've come from, Rangers, in the last, was it last seven or eight years, where they've been in the wilderness of, of lower league football and the, the financial chaos that they've been in. And then, that even arguably, the last couple of seasons, financially, they've, they've struggled a little bit. They've had to be very, very careful. They've had to be clever and they've done so very, very well.
2: It's such a funny point you bring up about the way that they're talking about their 55th as well because I like to think that the powers that be, the board members, your social media team, they've been waiting for ages to deploy this. I like to think 10 years ago they were thinking, I tell you what, this is going to be really good next year. Guess what? We've had the design say. of
1: the shirt, T-shirt, that they were wearing in 55 looked like it was a 10-year-old design. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> built on uh, Microsoft Word.
2: Uh, but it is a, a Herculean effort, really. Uh, massive for... Uh, for uh, Gerard as well. But nine years for Celtic and looking at some of the comments from the fans under there, you know, when they drew on the weekend, of course, if they dropped points, that meant that, that Rangers won. Jeez, it's amazing how after nine wonderful years, fans can forget that pretty quickly. And oh. they go, board members out and <coughs> going crazy.
1: Yeah, it, it's weird, isn't it? It's And it's not the only example. I mean, you look at now, right now, Liverpool fans are a certain sections of Liverpool fans are, uh, that are... You know, and up in uh, up in uh, arms about the way that their team is is not performing, um, and lacklustre, really poor. And then, and it's the same. It happens so quickly. If you think about Celtic, what they've accomplished over the last nine years prior to this it has been insane, really, to dominate. I mean, I know, I know people people would argue and say, well, you know, how strong is the Scottish League? And Rangers hadn't been there to compete with Celtic. You've still got to go and do it every year. You've still got to go and win. You know, they 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 won what treble, treble, or something like that in a row. You know, so yeah. that you've still got to do it and be on 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 top of your game each week, um, particularly when you're playing the domestic cup competitions away and, and, and you know difficult grounds environments. Um, <clears throat> so it is impressive, and it's amazing how quickly people turn. It really, really is. So when you look at some of the big
2: boys from the Premier League uh, that have retired, uh, so you're you John Terrys, Lampard, Henri, Solskjaer, Arteta, some of these guys that have gone into management at different levels, do we now look at Gerard and think, I mean, that's, that's the best achievement out of any of those? And some of these guys have managed high-flying clubs, but the fact that he's been able to go and and knock Celtic off their throne, would you say? I'd feel pretty confident to say that's the best achievement out of, out of that specific group of former players.
1: Yeah, so far. I mean, you know, John Terry obviously hasn't managed himself so far. Um, Frank has had the opportunity. Um, he's been at Derby, been at Chelsea. I mean, I, listen, I think what Frank did last season at Chelsea was remarkable. Let's not forget that. Zero money. I mean, in the transfer window, promoting youth, mixing the the experience with youth, losing a few players. Um, you know, people will say, well, it's Chelsea and, you know, the squad that they've got and the, the players they still have on their books was remarkable. But I think just finishing the Champions League to give so many young players opportunities to play at that level is up there as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult to look beyond what uh, Stephen Gerrard has, has accomplished in a short period of time at Glasgow Rangers. Um, and I've mentioned it just before that, that how much of a disarray that club has been in financially. It's been a mess. Um, you know, there's been court battles uh, between previous ownerships, uh, people running the club, various positions. Um, I mean, I know, I know there's been death threats against certain people who have worked within the club and and, and people believe that they've, they've uh, mismanaged the club. So, I mean, that's how passionate fans can be. Um, so, yeah, to, to go up there with a limited amount of money and still be able to turn things around and become more than competitive and obviously now win the title away from Celtic we've got a far bigger budget, far more money, far more established in terms of uh, over the last 10 years, of course. Let's, let's, let's put it, put it, make it absolutely clear. Um, it's impressive. There's no two words about it. Is, is it is, does it warrant... An opportunity because I've I've even seen now that some Liverpool fans are calling for him to take over from Jurgen Klopp. I mean, we talk about how quickly things turn around and how quickly fans turn and how quickly people talk about, uh, you know, Celtic and the demise of Celtic and how angry people have become Liverpool fans at them. There's some some sections of Liverpool fans are behaving that way, and you just go, wow, you know, Jurgen Klopp, what he's accomplished at Liverpool, Champions League winner, Premier League winner, first time in 30 years winning them, you know, the, the the top division, top flight trophy. So how quickly that can turn, even someone like Jurgen Klopp. It's
2: got to be inevitable though, surely you would, you would imagine so, that Gerard at some
1: point takes the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Um, you would think so. And, and if, I mean, it really depends, I suppose, on... So many factors, obviously, depending on what the hierarchy of Liverpool want to do, do are they panicking? Do they believe that, you know, Klopp's time at the club is, uh, is, is almost over? Does Ewan Klopp think he, the, that it is? He's admitted it's probably the lowest point that he's had in his, in his management career. Um, there's so many factors come into it. I mean, for, in my opinion, he's deserved more than enough even more, you know, a lot more time to to turn things around at Liverpool. I, I'm not one for one minute to say Jurgen Klopp needs to go. I I don't think so. I think he's a he's he's proven time and time again, and, and even more so since he's been at Liverpool. That he's a world class manager, and I believe he'll get things right. I I just think with like particularly at Liverpool, it's not all rosy um, off the pitch. So. Certainly, it isn't on the pitch, but off the pitch, behind the scenes, from top down to bottom, at the moment, there's certainly, I think, potentially some difference of opinions, different ways of of, of seeing the way that the club's being run. And let's be, let's let's not forget the, the pandemic has been been disastrous for for pretty much every single club, um, every single sporting organisation on the planet, um, let alone. Any other business, so you know, and football's certainly not immune to to the repercussions of of, of, of this pandemic. So um, I, I think people have to be given a little bit of leeway, and and for me, Ian Klopp needs more. Doesn't even need leeway because he's still proven that he's a, that he's a a world class manager. He just he just happened to be in a bad run of form at the moment as as with his team.
2: So that's a great transition. So firstly, before we sink our teeth in, let's just take a moment to congratulate Stephen Gerrard and his achievement with Glasgow Rangers. But it is now time to move on to, to all things Liverpool because they did on the weekend lose 1-0 to Fulham at home. Six straight home loss in their history. First time in their history. Um, first question would be, we know that they've got defensive issues through injuries. But the front three or any of their attacking players, why can't they find the back of the net? I just don't understand. I yeah. physically don't understand.
1: Yeah, and I've, I've known that about you for a long time. You've <laughs> struggled a, to understand a lot of things. Let's be that's honest. a
2: blanket rule. I just don't understand.
1: Yeah that's, yeah, that's been obvious. Um, what's the problem? It's interesting that for the first time in a long, long time, he's actually played two and a Um, in mm. central, uh, central defence position, which is kinda like, hang on, of course you do. But Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool haven't done that for for the vast majority of the season. And that tells you that obviously he doesn't believe in in Nat Phillips and Reese Williams, particularly to play together. Um, bearing you know, being able to to shoulder that responsibility. Um, then you leave Fabinho out and you leave him on the bench, obviously with the Champions League game in mind midweek against RB Leipzig because it shows you how important and how how much is still taken into consideration how much that game is taken into consideration. Even though they've got a two new league going into that match, mm. they're still thinking, right, hang on. This game is by no means over. And Leipzig won on the weekend, 3-0. So they've bounced back. Liverpool have, have had a disastrous time. That's, you know, there's, there's no two words about it. They're certainly down on confidence. There's been a lot of chopping and changing. James Milner was in. Naby Keita coming back. He's in and out of the side all the time due to injuries. Shakiri, Jota coming back from injury. Shakiri, I, I think, is, has kind of been one of those players that's been a real waste at times because he just hasn't played enough football and it shows in his performances. And, and you look at Mo Salah, he just looks like a player that's completely down on confidence, even though he's out of you know, a top season in terms of goal return. But I think it's arguably been his, his poorest season for Liverpool in terms of week-in, week-out performances. Um, and and Moe's one of those players that every, you, know, you, you see every bit of emotion on him. So when he's happy, he's incredibly happy and things go so well on the football field. When he's not happy, his body language, everything, it, it just, it just uh, it, it spills out and you can see it and i think it, it, the way that liverpool are across the team they're so down in confidence um you know they they're finding it difficult to score any goals full stop i think the link up play has been been pretty poor um lacking continuity confidence at the back trying to pace too many too many holes um and uh over time it, it, it works against you particularly when you're playing against really good opposition and let's be honest uh, Fulham are one of the most informed teams in the premier league right now <laughs> they and have been for the last couple of weeks good. so it was always going to be a difficult game fulham play you know a nice attractive style of football but obviously every every liverpool fan listening to this is going to be going absolutely bonkers and going well you know hang on a second fulham they're relegation candidates and possibly will be relegated and we're liverpool and we should be beating fulham 9.9 uh, times out of 10 each week, each time. And that's most times correct. But Liverpool, obviously, in a very, very different uh, state of play right now than than they have been in a long, long, long time. With roughly 10
2: games to go, who would have sat here and thought, when you're looking at the the table, that Aston Villa have got the same amount of wins than Liverpool and they've got two games in hand, but even more shocking, West Ham have one more win than them and they have two games in hand. I don't what, think... What's shocking be one... about that? Like, yeah. shocking for whom? Uh, I think there's a bit of column A and column B going on in that situation, yeah. don't you think? Come on. There's no yeah. way any of us would have sat here and assumed that with 10 games to go. No.
1: No, no not at all. And, and you know what? With Liverpool, there was all... For me, with Jurgen Klopp, and I said it right at the beginning when Jurgen Klopp took, took over at the club, there's going to come a point, unless he turns over a lot of players... That players are going to be fatigued, mentally fatigued, physically fatigued. And then not even talking about a pandemic and the way that that's that been and how difficult it's been for everyone, let alone, you know, I'm talking about everyone in all walks of life, you know, confinement, restrictions. For footballers, that many games and 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 again, playing in empty stadiums and, and there's so many things that come into play, not being able to see their families all over the world. Um, they've they've really struggled. They've struggled without any support. At Anfield, um, as have most teams in the league. It's not even just Liverpool. If you look at the games on the weekend. I think there was only one team that won playing at home. Yeah, um, and, and that was Spurs. And that is a. And I, I, the stats are that there's been more away wins than there has been home wins, which is I, I'm pretty sure it's an unusual stat. It's not not the normal stat. Um, so for Liverpool, when you look at the amount of games, the pandemic, the intensity, and they have changed the way they've played a little bit. Jürgen Klopp has had to alter things, had to, had to tinker a little bit with the way that they play. And that has shown that they're nowhere near as effective when they're not in your face, running at 100 miles an hour each time from the off. Liverpool have lost that little bit of cutting edge. So then let's move on to, to happy and brighter subjects. On the other
2: hand, we are on Fulham Watch. We have been for the last four weeks. You reckon they're... The form team in the
1: competition? Do you? one of one of the form teams.
2: Who else is there? I think going into the well, weekend, you would have obviously said City, but they've they've had yeah. a loss. So let's yeah. Catch I mean, them. If,
1: you, if you if you're looking at the form guide, I mean, Fulham are their last five games? They've won two, drawn two, and lost one. Um, you know, so I mean, it's pretty decent stats for a, for a team down that bottom part of the table. And even if you go all the way through up to the top, you know, there's there's, Wolves are in a similar, similar sort of run in their last five games. Um, as you go further up, you, know, you look at Tottenham. Tottenham, out of the last five, have lost two and won three, as have Everton. Mm. Then you look at Chelsea with three wins and two draws. And then, the, and then the next best one is obviously Manchester City, four wins and a loss. Um, Man United, two wins and three draws. So there's not much of a difference in that. And they're right so, up there in that top sort of five, six teams in terms of form guide.
2: So they're now they're 18th, so they're still they're still in that relegation zone, but they've uh, got 26 points. So do Brighton. Then in yep. 16th, Newcastle with 27 points. Yes, they've got a game in hand. Um, uh, it's just incredible this run that we we have seen starting to happen. I haven't really the last four episodes we have been on full and Watch, but every yep. single time you go through the fixtures and go, yep, but they've got this person, yep admittedly, yep, they've got City next. So, yeah, you're right. They've got an incredibly tough run. But they only, really, there are three or four winnable games left for them. But if they pick up points against the likes of Liverpool, like that's, they're going be yeah. impossible to stop at this this rate in terms of getting, in terms of being safe.
1: I, I think if you also look at the, the Liverpool position situation, the, the, the Champions League game coming up midweek, I think it's almost like, even though they're only currently three points off a top four position, Liverpool, but they've got a couple of more games um, than a few other teams around them. Uh, the odd one has one more, uh, one fewer game. The points could be, the gap could be a little bit greater. It's almost like, okay, he's prepared to put out a team that he believes is still good enough to beat Fulham, but a very strong side that's going to be ready and fit and raring to go midweek against RB Leipzig, which you can, I, I can kind of understand their predicament. Um, the team that went out there on the weekend, unfortunately, didn't perform. Whereas Fulham would have seen that team sheet and gone, right, okay. They, they think with this team, they can beat us. And it's a little bit of a, an extra incentive to go out there and prove them wrong, you know. And, and, and obviously, Fulham took advantage of it. Yeah, they had better luck at times, which you're going to need, but they played some really good football. They scored a good goal. And um, the desire and the hunger and the determination, as it has been for, for, for a long, pretty long period of time now, Fulham has been there again. That's been a stock standard. Um, so, yeah, th- listen, th- they've, uh, Fulham, Fulham deserve to win. They've got enough to stay up in the league. They've got some tough games coming up. Um, did you think that they were going to win at Liverpool? Current form team selection, there was every chance. The, the-, the chances, I think, intensified by the team selection. And, of course, their run of form. But that all can also work against you. You know, Liverpool having lost their last five games at home, you're thinking, oh, geez, is this the moment they're going to turn it around and thump someone? because Liverpool are more than capable of doing so. But again, it was that lacklustre performance. Oh, well, not again. It was actually probably the bigger, biggest concern for you and Klopp is the, the way in which they performed or didn't perform. Mm. Um, in the past, they've, they've, the intensity has been there, the attitude's been there, and you kind of thought it just wasn't falling for them. Whereas now, that most of that was missing as well. And it's not falling for them, of course, but you've got to create something. Team's not going to roll over and let you just steamroll them. Um, so, yeah. Fulham are going to have a lot of confidence. The momentum continues. Fulham have shown throughout the season that even though they've had some bad performances and bad results, they've still able to pick themselves up and go again. Um, you look at the teams around them, Brighton, Brighton obviously really concerns me, as does Newcastle. Newcastle, because of their injuries, uh, some maximum. Callum Wilson obviously has been out for, for, is going to be out for a little bit longer. Uh, Al Moron. So the, the three players that give them a little bit of X factor, or yeah. potentially given that X factor, I'm missing. And then you look at where are they going to get goals from? I mean, Ryan Fraser, Joel Linton has struggled for goals anyway since he's been in the club, Joel Willick. And then you're looking at John Joe Shelby to try and produce something. So that's, that's a big issue. And, and Newcastle, you can see they're jittering. You can see they're, they're, they're really feeling the pressure. Uh, Steve Bruce is the same. He's already said, I don't want to go. We have to make sure we don't go into the last game of the season as a, as a grand final. They were playing Fulham away from home and the winner stays up. You know, they don't want to be in that situation, which of course you don't want to. No one wants to be in that situation. Um, Then I look at Brighton and I just think for all the nice football they play, you know, you've got to also be a little bit pragmatic at times. You can play the nicest football in the world, but look where it gets you or where it can get you. You know, you've got to find a balance. And Brighton for me just don't have that balance. They play too nice of football at times and they don't just roll their sleeves up a little bit sometimes and go, right, okay, we're going to just turn a team and then let play the nice football up their end. They don't always just try and play football out the back. And, and you know, then they, the mistakes creep in, the pressure mounts, you know, Sanchez has done pretty well and did actually pretty well against Leicester on the weekend and makes a mistake for the, for the winner. It turns out to be the winner from uh, Leicester, uh, you know, and Brighton have been in a free fall for, for a number of weeks now. Um, and and that's that that's, that's got to be a real concern for for Potter and his and his club because I just don't I don't I don't know I don't know where they're going to get the form from the last three games in a row they've lost haven't won in five in the league yeah big trouble okay mark it's been a while since we've done a choose your own adventure but I
2: absolutely love these now I'll give you two hints we can either go uh, to a different country in Europe because uh, we yep. know how much you love uh, you know, filling in the, the listeners of the two shot reds in the, in the comings and goings of Germany. And there's one game that I did want to talk about, or we move away from the premier league, but still in English football, but hint, it's not a happy conversation.
1: So there are your two options. Oh, I know what you're talking about. We're going to, we're going to mention both really. Come on, let's go. With well, no, both. we'll definitely do both. But yeah. in terms All of right, which one you've let's got. Let's start on... with, with the elephant in the room. Let's talk okay. about Harry.
2: He's been sacked by Oldham Athletic. He becomes the club's sixth head coach in 19 months. Yep. Um, he also becomes a third former soccerer to be sacked from a coaching role, role, a role abroad in the past Easy three to months. for the same? Yeah, exactly. Uh, in the past three months. So it's not good for the Aussies. Uh, but in particular, nope. it's not good for him. They're currently 16th position with 11 wins, six draws and 15 losses. Thoughts, yep. Mark?
1: It was always going to be a really tough gig. Um, the ownership of the club has been ruthless over the last eighteen months or so. Um, reading a lot of the reports um, posts now is he's, he's uh, sacking a lot of lot of fans saying that the, the board the ownership needs to change and they need to go yep. um, the way the club's been run is, is, is shambolic um, what i've this is what i've read. Um, but it's also management, you know, the expectations of the club and the board um, as always, or as a lot of times is far higher than the reality of, of or, or the potential of the squad that you have. And also the funds that you make available to try and bring in reinforcements to improve what you've got in your squad. Um, don't match. don't max uh match. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't match. And I think, when you're when you're at that level like Harry is and trying to get trying to get an opportunity in management, has had a couple of stop starts, Crawley Town, then going to North County, and now Oldham. You know, you you've almost at times got to take the opportunities when it come, get put in front of you. There, there's not a lot of opportunity to, to choose, so he, he needs to go out there and try and and and, and get opportunity, get uh, experience, time under his belt. But by the same token, you need to try and find a club that gives you a bit of stability, and that's so difficult to find. Um, so I feel for him, and it's a tough, tough learning curve. And I wouldn't, I don't envy him one bit, and I understand why a lot of people would choose not to go into management because of, you know, you feel that your hands are tied, you're doing everything you possibly can, and you're doing okay for what you've got. You're trying to... Trying to change your style of football, you're trying to you know, instill a different type of mentality amongst your players and that all takes time because you're dealing with players that you need a real hands-on approach and you need to be working with them day in, day out. And Sometimes it'll take you know, six months, 12 months, a couple of seasons to get things right, uh, to be playing at a level to improve players so much so that you then become competitive with the same group or similar group of players. But most clubs don't allow that time. Um, and Oldham, obviously, is one of those clubs. And I think he knew too well beforehand that, you know, the pressure's on from the minute you walk in that door. And, and it is anyway, but even with clubs like like Oldham and the, and the history they've had a, over over recent time, the pressure's a little bit more. Well, he touched on that in his, in his
2: uh, tweets he made. He said, I knew coming into this job that I wouldn't have a budget to work with and the time wouldn't be on my side, but I leave without any regrets. But it's a funny thing you bring up there, Mark, about not envying him, you think about what you've done post-career and the stability that the likes of Optus give you. And even though you're a little bit, you know, you, you could have a few bad performances in a row and then look, we've had meetings about you separately. Um, you yep. know, I me and the board at Optus. Yep. But more or less, there's stability there. But do you think when you, when you see that, that, he would maybe, and we can't say for him when,
1: After those meetings, did you wake up in a cold sweat and realise it was just a dream? Oh, I did panic. Oh, oh, what was that? Yeah. Okay, and thought on. you might have been watching.
0: Was,
2: uh, um, would he be starting to think after, considering that stop-start, you know, you know, start to his managerial career, be thinking, oh, I can't be bothered with this anymore.
1: Come on. Uh, no, I wouldn't have thought so because having spoken to him a little while ago now, but, you know, the passion that he that he kind of had uh, established through management, something that I never thought would happen with Harry, never thought he'd be that passionate and that keen on getting the management – Was was uh, pretty evident, and it was was it was like it was. I was amazed by it, really. I Have to say, and I I would think that again. You you kind of you've got the bug, so you've been given an opportunity. You've you've done you've done your work, and you've seen improvements. But obviously, that it doesn't always necessarily go hand in hand with overall performances. But you see individual. Uh, improvements you see that players are taking on the information players are becoming better rounded footballers from it and that, that it would take time that you kind of think right okay i can do this i know i can do it i can know i can make players better the higher you go up the better players you're playing with and those little improvements will make a bigger difference potentially um i would think that he that he that he's raring to go again um I suppose it comes a time over, over time that you probably go about enough of this. Mm. Um, but, you know, it'd be interesting to see what opportunities he may get between now um, and the end of the season, if at all. Um, and then what the future then does uh, hold for him. So you never really thought that he'd go into this. Why is that? Did he just not um, talk about he, it? Or? He, you know, he'll say, it to, he'll say it himself is that, you know, he, he was so focused on himself and no one else and at times he was almost introverted mm. and
0: it was very
1: like like all of us we're all incredibly selfish you know you kind of have to be to agree as well and 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 it's all about me 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 and and that's absolutely all of us but he was someone that I, I mean, my experience wasn't very open to discussion, wasn't very open to to talking about football, didn't really have any enthusiasm interest in, didn't look like from my perspective, didn't look like he had an interest in coaching. Um, it wasn't something that he talked about. Not that I talked to him that much because like I said, he's quite introverted. And, you know, you all go off to your own rooms, you you do your own thing and you're um, prepping for games and prepping, you know, getting ready for training as you, as everyone does. Um, so I was, I was surprised. That's, that's probably more the reason because you just, some players you look at and go, yeah, I can see him wanting to be management. Like someone like Johnny Alawisi going into management, I, I could see that from a, from a pretty early. Uh, is that, time. Is that, that just that,
2: demeanor, though? Or do they actually um, say. But it also
1: discussion, talking about management, talking about, um, you know, being open about the, the way that sessions are and, and talking through sessions, um, taking in a real interest in it. You could see that with certain players. Um, then another one is like Luke Wilkshire. I was, I was pretty surprised Luke Wilkshire went into to, to management, you know, that he's gone. And he's done really, really well at the level he's been at. So the, the interesting thing we'll see will be how high he wants to go. Does he want to go to another level? Will he get given an opportunity to another level? And how does he then cope with that new challenge? That, that'll be interesting. So there's a few people. I mean, Tony Popovich wasn't, wasn't a surprise either. You know, it wasn't a surprise to me at all that he's gone into it. Um, yeah, so it's interesting when you, when you see it. I mean, the, one, the other person that surprises me that he wants to get into management is Tim Cahill.
0: Mm.
1: Um, he's another one that I just didn't think that it was something that he'd really want to get into. I just thought he would be happy enough to be involved in football, but not necessarily day-to-day in a, in a coaching capacity. Where would he start, do you think? Where, should he, where would you recommend
2: Doing a Harry Kuehl. and.
1: Where you know. would I recommend? Someone who's never been a coach, never been in the yeah, No, as in, where as would in, you recommend?
2: As in, for longevity for his career, do you recommend starting at your League Twos, your Crawley Towns, your Oldhams, or if he's got the opportunity to go back to Australia or maybe somewhere in Asia where we know he's played oh, I, India. I think
1: if you get given an opportunity to be uh, attached with a Premier League club in the coaching setup, like, a, say, a, a John Terry has been, mm. um, I think that's the best way to start. I think. I, I, I think if I were in, getting into management, that's how I would look at it. I'd go right. Okay, first and foremost, you go right. You know, could you go to a club? Like, could you be involved some way or another in a, in, a, in a Chelsea setup or a Leicester setup? My old club is obviously in Fulham, and and can you somewhere be involved and get experience mm. there day to day? and then maybe look at opportunities elsewhere if, if something arose, or internally, maybe you get an opportunity to go through the ranks. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that, that's how I look at it at the moment.
0: Won't be long. Back to
1: Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds.
2: Halftime drinks here on the Two Shot Reds. Mark, as I just take a sip of my Chilean Reserve Merlot. Uh, All these managerial talks got me thinking. uh, On Friday, I downloaded Football Manager. Oh, did you? you? First time ever. Um, I'm more of a FIFA operator, but of course, I'm in an Airbnb, so I don't have a PlayStation. uh, And I thought, I'll give this Football Manager thing a go. And I think think I'm medically addicted.
1: I love
2: it. I absolutely love
1: it. I have to say, I prefer Football Manager to PlayStation right. or you know one of the one of those games, yeah, because it's it's more hands-on, it's more intricate, more more detailed-oriented, um, less of playing the game per se like you do on, totally. on PlayStation, but more about the management side of it, and I I actually like that, you know, the dealing, willing to deal with transfer windows, tra- contracts, oh, yeah. and player discipline, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I'm dealing with the budgets and like, yeah, I, I'm I'm more interested in that. Um, I'll tell you what, crew, Alex, are
2: flying at the moment. Are they? Uh, yeah, I've just locked Perry NG away to a long-term contract, which is huge because, of course, in real life, he's gone to Cardiff City. Uh, but okay. in my world, uh, I'm not letting him go. Any, other big, Kirk, names have, any well, other big names
1: made their way to um, the great yeah, big crew?
2: They have. We've, just, uh, we've been able to, to notch up Alioski uh, oh, because, wow. of course, Harry Pickering has gone to Blackburn. Uh, so I've I managed, because we're in the championship now, Okay. Um, and, uh, so you've had and, success yeah, already? Down. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Right. That's what I mean. I'm, you, medically I'm
2: medically addicted. What's your
1: preferred addicted.
2: system? Uh, I, I do like a three at the back. Uh, I like do to you? be... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a risky sort of... I, I like attacking. I like a, it's all going on. Uh, oh, but I, 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 in real life, I think I'd be very Bielsa-esque. I think Would I'd you? play... Sort of set them up like a basketball side. You know, like Would you crouch on the, on the
1: side of the pitch, of the pitch as well? i I
2: don't like it when he does that. I'll be honest. Mind
1: you, I don't think you'd be able to crouch. You know, no, I wouldn't. Knee, so you probably need a, like a, a little, you know, you need one of those camping chairs, all those you know, those sports, <laughs> good, yeah. uh, sports grounds chairs. You know, you, it's got like almost like just a spike in it. You know, the seat pops out and it's got a spike. And you can just lift it up every time you walk.
2: Now, how good would that be to see a manager?
1: One of the opportunities for sponsorship as well, you know, <gasps> signage on it. Oh,
2: well, we, we just opened you know, up
1: another opportunity in marketing. We should be involved. Totally.
2: Because we know how popular the Bielsa bucket is. Yes. But you need the the camping chair. And you yes. put your, your cup of tea in the... Or yeah, whatever, you or, can have it or, or, in the you know. team
1: colours, emblem, sponsors on it, everything. That, that is a seriously good idea. You
2: can't tell me that likes of Roy Hodgson wouldn't go for that. Would, oh, you, oh, have camping man- would you have
1: manager, gaffer, or yeah, a name bit on like, the back of it? What would you have? Well, no, you should do it like, like they show, do. Like a movie yeah. scene.
2: Correct. I think that's yeah. a genius idea. What would you have? What would you have? Well, it depends on my role, but would I, you
1: you're been, if you're, I have a name? You're a manager. Right? Or you're role? A manager. What, what would you right. do? Would you go name, gaffer, boss? Uh... I would go for,
2: in terms of on the back of my camping chair, considering I've never been a player, I haven't had the experience of having my own name on the back of something. So maybe yeah. I'd go for my name purely,
1: you know, down to, down to the fact I've not had a shirt with gear on. Yeah. But like, you know, you're the gaffer, so you need that respect. So you like, it's gotta be like gaffer uh, neighbor, really.
2: Well, I think you probably could. Well, we're already breaking many rules with the camping chair. So surely, yeah. surely. Oh, are there you any know, rules? Can, you, can,
1: can you not have a camping chair? <laughs> this is the, <laughs> this is the English we need to start making. I think we need, we need, to, look to, think we need yeah. to look into the fine print. I think there is a potential avenue for us to get in there and get yep. some extra exposure. Two Sharp Reds camping chair. Oh, how good is that?
2: That's right. Last week we talked about our own bottle of wine. I've talked to the guys at Hey Diddle. They said it's a great idea, um, but they're going to get back to me. They said it's a great (laughs) idea. We'll get back to you on the logistics. (laughs) I think it's going to be too difficult. I think we make the managerial camping chair, the Two Sharp Reds.
1: chair. Imagine that.
2: How good would that be?
1: And it comes with our bottle of red wine.
2: Yeah, yeah, in the. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, we have to keep talking about real football. God, it's such a shame. No, I, mean, <laughs> I just no want idea. to talk about camping chairs all my life. Uh, but let's, let's head to Germany. It's time that you give us an update in the world of the Bundesliga because there was a game on the weekend that was one of the more entertaining domestic games uh, I've seen in a long time. I messaged you during it and said did you realise that German football was actually quite entertaining? Uh, of course it was a joke, but it was wonderful watching Bayern Munich and Dortmund play. It was just brilliant because I think as well, given the fact I watched so much Premier League, it was a real, sort of shined a light on the fact, I feel like there's a, a big gulf in, in a, I don't know, is talent the right word? Or it's just every big six games seems to be a disappointment at the moment. But then dortmund Bayern, it was amazing. First 20 minutes, Haaland two goals, before half time, Lewandowski two goals. Goretzka gets a goal. Louis completes his hat trick towards the end. Uh, Bayern Munich win four two after going behind two nil. Was that a surprise that it was going to be that entertaining? Because again, going you know, I was thinking, oh, this could be a nil all or a one nil.
1: Yeah, no. If you look at it, the firepower both teams possess, it couldn't have been a nil nil, could it? No. Let's be honest. Well, not, not on be. paper,
2: but what I mean but is it shouldn't track have record. Been
1: yeah it, it shouldn't sh- have been couldn't have been and it, obviously it wasn't um i you know I, I was i'm 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 happy that dortmund scored first because mm-hmm. i think if Bayern had gone into a 2-0 lead i th- think it could have been, just easily have been you know that's it it could have been a thumping um, the fact that that Dortmund, because Bayern's the more capable of coming back from two 0 down, I believe, uh, as it showed, than than Dortmund. I think Dortmund just would have been shattered and, and fallen apart. In the past, it has happened. They've gone to, to to Munich and been thumped. So it was a great way. And then, but then Dortmund are always susceptible to conceding goals. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not um, I'm not overly impressed with with uh, their defensive capabilities, and they got exposed. And Lewandowski. Wow! I mean, you know, Haaland, two good, two good goals, particularly his first one, and then the second. Uh, sorry, then Lewandowski taking over. Um, the master and the apprentice. The apprentice getting off to a flying start, showing that he that he's there and ready to take over the uh, the role as being the main man in, in German football. And then all of a sudden. Robert Lewandowski is. No, no, no mate. I'm, I might be Not old yet, But buddy. I'm still here, mate Not yet Not yet And he's brilliant, isn't he? He's absolutely brilliant And, and buying the class that they showed Just to get back Composure um, It was impressive Great game I mean, imagine, imagine 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 It's weird even saying it Imagine that in a full house I mean, the atmosphere, I mean, I've been to Alianza on you know, a number of occasions watching games and, and the, the atmosphere is insane. I was there a couple of seasons ago when they played the last game of the season against Eintracht Frankfurt and Bayern needed to win. Dortmund, um, Dortmund uh, needed to win and hope Bayern slipped up against Eintracht Frankfurt to have a chance to win the, the title on the last day of the season. And actually Bayern were 1-0 down to, to Eintracht Frankfurt after about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, and then all of a sudden, and, and Dortmund were winning. So at that stage, like after 20 minutes or something, Dortmund had, had won the German title. And then all of a sudden, Bayern just turned it on. They won 5-1, smashed sure, sure. Eintracht Frankfurt. And Eintracht Frankfurt needed to win to guarantee the finish in Europa League. Um, so they, they lost the game, got thumped but still ended up finishing in the Europa League because other teams around them um, had lost or dropped points. So, so Frankfurt had had it enough then to, to keep the position in the Europa League. But uh, the atmosphere is awesome.
2: So you touched on the fact that uh, Bayern Munich are far more capable of coming from behind, um, but it's yeah. everything that, I, you know, every time I see a scoreline, I'll keep in touch with Bayern Munich. They do seem to concede a lot and go behind first. Well, why is that? Yes. Yeah.
1: Recently, and it's actually all, all sort of kind of happened since they came back from the World uh, Club Championships in Qatar. Um, they won that sixth trophy, trophy, um, which was pretty pretty insane. They'd uh, I think I think now they've I think uh, Hansi Flick has lost the same amount of games as trophies that he's won because he's lost. They've lost one game. So at that time when they won the sixth one in in uh, Qatar, they'd won more trophies and games they lost. And I think since they've been back, they've lost a game. So they're six and six, which is insane. Um, Possibly to do with the fact that a little bit complacent back, you know, after, you know, back again, the grind of things, no fans. Uh, I think we're seeing a lot, a lot of teams conceding goals. You know, if you look everywhere, it's not normal procedure. Um, Bayern have had a few injuries, shuffles shuffled around a little bit, his team selections, trying to balance, obviously, winning winning the title again, retaining the title, but also doing well in the Champions League, which is always a challenge, just no different to any end of the year. Um, yeah, I, I really can't put my finger on it right now at the moment why they've conceded goals. The thing about Bayern is that, yeah, they can concede goals, Um but they can just turn games around because of the firepower they possess all over the pitch, the ability they have. And then when you look at the bench, the depth that they have. um, Yeah, very, very good to watch and and, uh, flying.
2: So in that scenario, the only man who really cares is
1: Neuer because he doesn't get his clean sheet. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, they'll be disappointed and want to try and fix the issue they've had with conceding goals by uh, No doubt about it. But at the end of the day, if they keep, outscoring the opposition and win this and that say they they do well in the Champions League again or retain the Champions League, which will be unbelievable. Um, no one will really care. I mean, they will because they'll analyze it and I'll always try to get better and that'll be the case. Um, but yeah, no, they're, 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 um, they're a formidable side. They're still for me, if not the, but like obviously Man City are right up there as well, but they're, they're up there have been the top two clubs um, or teams in the world at the moment. So, finally, here on the 2 sharp Reds, Mark, let's just
2: uh, go over a couple of European games uh, across Optus Sport this week. We've already touched on Liverpool-Leipzig, which should be very fascinating to see what happens there. In terms of the Champions League, I think we can probably all agree that the one we're, we're looking for is, is PSG-Barcelona. That's mouth-watering at its best, isn't it? Yeah, 4-1. you
1: reckon? Yeah, well, it's 4-1, isn't it? Is it 4-1? Yeah. It's 4-1, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but still... Yeah, I can't see it, Barcelona. I mean, I know. Listen, I know PSG have won comfortably in the past, and then go to go to the new Camp and get thumped. But it's the reverse, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is mm. locked down, and we don't have the, the fans. And it's almost like a neutral venue—not neutral, but yeah. the records show that the home advantage is not particularly great. I, I just don't see it. I honestly don't see um, Barcelona getting back into it. So not worth watching then? We'll just put a cross. No, well, yeah. First, definitely worth keeping an eye on because, you know, okay. you just, I say that I don't see it, right? And, you, you know, you look at Liverpool, what they did. They, only, they lost 3-0 at the new Camp. And then they came and they went home and they won 4-0, mm-hmm. which I was at. But they also had a full house. And that makes such a big difference as well. Having, having the atmosphere and then, then the crowd just lifting. I mean, that atmosphere was insane. At Anfield when they beat Barcelona 4 0. So, yeah, I just don't see it. I can't, I can't, I I find it really difficult for any team to have that such an an enormous comeback with no other support in the stadium from fans. Mm. So then uh, that's Champions
2: League in terms of uh, some of the best games to watch out for. But then in the Europa League, um, yeah, there's some good storylines. You know, Arsenal taking on Olympiacos trying to get their own back from last year, last year's exit. Uh, but the one that we, we're looking out for is Man United, AC Milan. That is a, yeah. a cracker. I just yeah. from, from memory, Nose Lassan though, is the,
1: I think that's the last I read, uh, which is a little bit of yeah. a fizzer. Yeah, and that's a shame it's a huge game um, on paper Manchester United against AC Milan. AC Milan this season have done incredibly well. They've dropped a little bit in the league, but still, you know, again, another one of those clubs that that have, that have kind of been a little bit uh, in turmoil for a number of years. And now have kind of turned things around and financially they're a mess, a bit like Glasgow Rangers in, in, in that term, um, just without the relegation down to, to, to the beginning of uh, the tier football. So, um, you know, I still think Man United you know, winning on the weekend against Manchester City showed that they're more than capable of cutting out a teams' um, tactics, rolling their sleeves up, being very physical, but also being um, a little bit ruthless in front of goal. You know, they, obviously that all helps with a with a penalty decision in the first two minutes of the game. But there was a clear penalty, and you know. They were on the front foot, and even though Martial was going nowhere, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's just a ridiculous sort of coming together challenge. I didn't want—I don't even know if it's—I not don't, I don't even know if I can call it a challenge, um, in terms of a genuine challenge for the ball. I just think he gets in the way and, and clumsily collides into him, and 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 it's a stonewall penalty. No, no, no arguments about it. Um, I just think—I don't know—I just think Manchester United will have too much for him. But it's an intriguing game. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and and this is when the Europa League becomes really exciting as well. When you have these big fixtures,
2: mm. All
1: right, Mark. Uh, let's wind things up here on the two
2: sharp Reds. That's my least favourite sentence to say because obviously it means that my favourite part of the day is coming to an end.
1: Um, but having said that, we move away from we can, we can talk afterwards, mate. There's no point, you know, no worry about it. I know yep. I know you're really disappointed about not being able to talk anymore, but we can have a bit of a chat later on as well if you like.
2: Yeah, but you say that because it's on. You know, we're recording this, do you know what I mean? Right. And then we go away from the recording and you go, do not talk what to me you? until Sunday night, Monday morning. <laughs> uh, but I've really enjoyed some of the wine I've been trying uh, over the last few weeks. And the Chilean Reserva Malo is certainly no different. But before I get into the comparison or certainly about the wine, um, I've noticed what I do is I tend to tell you about the wine and then I say, should I go or should you go? So before I even touch on my wine, what are you thinking? Would you like to go, or shall I?
1: There you go.
2: Ah, oh, thank goodness. Uh, so Chilean Reserva Malo, really nice, noble Merlot grapes, which thrive in the climate and soils of Chile's Central Valley region. Aged in beautiful oak barrels, this Reserva Malo is deep in purple in color, with lush aromas and plums and black currants with subtle coffee bean notes. Well-structured, very elegant. This is a wine to be enjoyed with simple but hearty dishes, such as lamb cutlets, cottage pie, bolognese, or or soft cheeses. I'm not sure when looking at that, the soft cheeses really falls into a a hearty meal, Um, but I appreciate the effort nonetheless. Uh, Few few key words here, and this was actually quite a simple comparison for mine. Um, Well-aged, very well-aged. Incredibly simple, yet hearty. Simple in this player's approach. Doesn't muck around, but wears his heart on his sleeve and has done for a very long time for his club. Structured. Uh, structured more so in his play. Certainly not a flared player at all, but it seems to be very strict, knows his role, uh, and, and does it very well, it has done for a long time. In terms of the colour, deep purple uh, in the wine, some have also said you could call that claret. Uh, that's, Mm. you know, you know, certainly. I've got it.
1: I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Actually, it's more of a description of someone that you'd like to be that. And that's Granite Xhaka. Oh
2: no,
1: no, not quite. Yeah. Struck shit. Oh no. no, Hey, it's not
2: that good of a one. Um, Okay. And then the final one, of course, uh, this is just what makes it too obvious. Uh, I'd actually would want you to tell me off if I didn't compare it to this player, given this one word in the description is noble merlot grapes um. i mean it's got to be it's got to be martin noble right like that's yeah okay, winking you in the face one. like
1: yeah, come on. That I, I mean i have got something as well that's very similar because it does smack you in the face as well um yeah. so yeah so mine's a portuguese wine um it's a lb7 lisboa red 2018 it's massive it's big it's bold and it's unashamedly drinkable um, it's made by one of Portugal's top wine winemakers. And apparently his trophy cabinet is unsurpassed.
2: I mean, it's got to be CR7, right? It's big,
1: bold, <laughs> unashamedly drinkable. So a kick of spice. Certainly got a really good kick on him. That's for sure. Um, what can I say? It, it's, it's enhanced any richly flavoured food you throw at it. Yeah. I mean, basically, he can enhance any team that you put him in. Any obstacle you throw in front of him, he's over, always overcome it. Um, and certainly, his trophy cabinet is uh, bulging and uh, is is pretty much unsurpassable um, by anyone at the moment. Um, well, uh, maybe Messi. You could have an argument about that one. But anyway, none other than Cristiano Ronaldo. It had to be. LB7, CR7, yeah. you
2: know, made from one of the best. Yeah, you know, Porto, of course, you know, pumping yeah. out some serious talent. Portuguese football yeah so we're assuming though that that's not the best wine in the world no we, but we, we need to say that
1: to do with just the fact that sure yeah it, the way that it's been described sure um and the fact that you know the the producer of the wine trophy cabinet unsurpassed yeah. uh no. Portuguese there was too many there were too many uh, relationships
2: yeah, sure. Sure. No, I, I like it. I think we've done well in this episode. It's probably the first time that Mark Noble and Cristiano <laughs> Renato have been compared in a, uh, in, you know, a matter of sentences. So I think that's a, a big moment for, uh, Cristiano um, more so than than the other way around. Yeah, but, uh, probably. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Uh, thank you, Mark, again. A great episode if I don't say so myself. Uh, it's been a, a big sort of 24 hours in the world of football. Uh, of course, as we mentioned, Harry Kew has left Oldham. Stephen Girard's won his first trophy as a manager. By the way, you can go to Optusports, uh YouTube channel and see his arrival at iBrox and it is... Well, Harry Kiel's... <laughs> uh what, what you arrival to is eyebrows. that breaking news Breaking, right, yeah, exactly uh yeah no, on, on the it. sports yeah, channel though isn't it? it's, it's like it's impressive
1: party like it's 1999 it what, is what unreal. lockdown i think there was old footage of 10 years ago when they yeah, won their exactly. last one their previous exactly.
2: one exactly yeah i mean look we don't uh want to celebrate that but in terms of the scenes whoa, very exciting so mark uh cheers to you cheers to the show Um, I hope you enjoy a good week of football, sitting on the couch watching Optus Sport, sinking your teeth in left, right, and centre. It's going to be great.
1: I can't wait, man. A lot of football coming up again. It's just thick and fast. It's been like that all season, let's be honest. Um, So, yeah, now looking forward to it. Now we're coming down to the business end. 10 games to go with most teams in the Premier League, as well as, um, you know, Champions League, Europa League. Euros look forward to. Listen, football heaven.